If you have your Bible this morning, please turn to Acts chapter 5. We'd love for you to follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back uh, on the sound booth. So grab those Bibles, open up Acts chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 42. If you grabbed one of those Bibles, uh, we are on page 913. And so if you turn that way, I, I was wondering, I I wonder if, any, if this happened to anyone else in the room. Have any of you guys had like a life-changing experience happen to you? Life-changing experience. Some of you, uh, this is what we celebrate today. Mother's Day is a life-changing experience. And I understand that for some, uh, Mother's Day is a day of celebration. It's a day uh, to, uh, of people being celebrated and, and as a mom celebrating uh, what God has done and how he's been faithful to you. But I also am aware uh, very vividly that Mother's Day can also be a day of sorrow and hurt and you're mourning um, uh, little voices that are no longer around in the house anymore, and um, and and you're mourning the desire to have a little voice in the house, but just not able, uh, for whatever reason, to have that happen to you. You're mourning loss, and I understand that. My family does absolutely. We've had our fair share of uh, Mother's Day. We're you know we're not excited about really coming and being around a lot of people. Uh, we're not excited about that at all. And then we've had days, uh, we've had years where we had a little child in our home and uh, that called her mom, right? But we didn't know how long those voices were going to be there. And uh, the years following voices being gone are, are hard and difficult and accompanied by tears and so I want to let you know, if you are a mom in the room and Mother's Day is not a happy day for you, we understand. You're not alone in this. Uh, there are uh, women all over this room and all over uh, this area who are in the same place you are. You're not alone, um, and you're just as loved this morning by God uh, than you were last morning and, and 10 more mornings. Uh, he loves you, and he has a plan for you, and, uh, and I, we, we understand what it feels like. But for us, um, you saw us dedicate... Uh, our little uh, our little nugget uh, this morning uh, in February we got a phone call of 2000, 2017 we got a phone call uh, my wife and I are foster parents we got a phone call from our agency saying hey we have a little baby who needs a home we think it would be a great fit for you and your wife what do you say and we were like yeah let's do this and we didn't know what that entailed and uh, a couple hours later we're like, hey, so where's that baby at? <laughs> and no one, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll be there soon. And then a couple more hours later, yeah, we'll be there soon. And we find ourselves about 1230 in the morning, um, done with paperwork, and uh, the CPS lady walking out of our house. And my wife and I, um, uh, I pick up this baby out of the carrier, swaddled up, completely precious, completely silent. And we look at her, and she is just completely perfect. And our house is dead quiet. And I look at my wife, and I'm not making this up. 
the loudest fart that I've ever heard (laughs) echoed throughout the walls of my home. And I thought to myself, how could something this small produce something that loud? And I knew that very moment that my life was never going to be the same. That she, that she was going to be my daughter, because like, she got that from me, not her mom. I'm going to be very clear on this Mother's Day, she did not get that from her mom. But our lives changed, and because of that life-changing moment, we look at every future moment from that differently. The way we think about the day is different because of that life-changing experience. The way we go out to eat is different because of that life-changing experience. Everything is different because of that life-changing experience. And every single person in this room has probably experienced something along those lines. And some people, life-changing experience um, is a positive one, right? That, uh, that you celebrate. But for others, this life-changing experience was one that wasn't positive. It was negative. It's full of uh, maybe frustration and doubt and concern. Uh, but whatever happens, these life-changing experiences that we have in our life, they change. That which makes it a life-changing experience is because it changes the way we look at everything around us. Your mornings are different, your days are different, your years are different because of this life-changing experience. And that's what we're going to look at today with the church in the book of Acts. So if you are there, Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at verses uh, 12 through 16 real quick, and then we're going to kind of keep going on. It says this, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. And people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were all healed. The church clearly understood the gospel. This church here in Acts clearly understood the gospel. They, uh, they completely got it. And when the church clearly understands the gospel, everyone around wants to see what is going on, see what is different. They are intrigued by the power that, accomplish, that, uh, that accompanies the gospel. They were bringing people literally into the streets so that Peter might walk by in his shadow They didn't know the gospel, but they knew that these people that clearly understood the gospel had power and they had faith. And that was something that was attractive to them. And so they came and they wanted to see what was going on. 
But when the church clearly understands the gospel, one of the things that's interesting about this passage is it says that none of the rest, in verse 13, none of the rest dared join them. That those who were just casually observing what was happening, casually coming to the church, casually uh, being just a really good guy, but not giving all of their life over to God, they didn't even dare come. Right? We looked at last week, this couple, this man and wife, they sold their land and they gave the money to the church. They didn't give all of their money to the church. They just, they gave some of the money to the church and they said, hey, here's the money that we, uh, that we got from the land, but they kept some back for themselves. We saw ultimately that didn't go well for them. When the church clearly understands the gospel, it is so powerful, it is so intense that those that are just coming around, those that are just saying, hey, if I come to church a couple times a month, then I'll be good with God. Those people didn't dare show up because the gospel was clearly understood and they knew that the gospel wasn't something that you can just go halvesies on. You had to go all in on. And so at the, as, as a church, and especially uh, Western Christians, we have a lot of words and phrases that we use that some people have definitions and other people might have different definitions. And one of the things that I love to do is help clear up some of that confusion. So I want us to clearly define what is the gospel so that we can all be playing on the same level, so that we can all clearly, when we say, when we hear the gospel, this is what the gospel means. And so uh, the gospel is, we are broken with no way to fix ourselves. So Jesus came to have his body broken in our place, so that we could be made whole. That's the gospel. That we are broken with no way to fix ourselves, so Jesus came to have his body broken in our place, so that we could be made whole. Let's uh, expand that a little bit more, so that we can understand all the elements of that. We are broken. I think all of us can understand that we are not perfect that we are broken, that there's things in our lives. It's called sin. Anything that we do when we choose ourselves over God, that is what the Bible calls sin. And the Bible says that that sin brings separation between us and God, that God created the world perfect and sin came into the world. And that fracture, that brokenness was brought upon by the th- our actions, right? We are broken with no way to fix ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves good enough are to mend that fracture, to mend that brokenness so that God can look at us and accept us as we are because we are broken with no way to fix ourselves. Sin causes separation between us and God. So Jesus came to have his body broken in our place. He was a sinless life. He lived this life just like us, tempted and tried in every way, and yet did not sin. Sinless life as a substitute for a sinful one. 
that Jesus came to have his body broken in our place. He did nothing wrong, but he died on the cross. He was beaten so that we might be made whole. And what happened on the cross was celebrated because of what happened three days later when he defeated the grave. He defeated sin and death. And it was, it was proven to us by him raising himself from the dead. And there's nothing that we do to earn his love, to earn his grace, to earn his mercy towards us. We are broken with no way to fix ourselves. No way to fix ourselves. So Jesus came to have his body broken in our place so that we could be made whole. And these people got that. They clearly understood that. And they understood that when you clearly get the gospel, that our natural response is repentance. And what is repentance? It's uh, this, this word that basically means that you are headed in one direction, believing all the things that you've had to be, that you have been doing, all the things that you know in your life to be true, that you're headed in that direction. And that you realize that you are clear, that you see that all the things that you believe to be true are not true and you turn away from those things and you put your trust in Jesus who is saying things opposite of the things that you've always known to be true. He's telling you to live your life differently from the way that you've always known to be true and he, you, you put all of your trust in following him. That you turn from what you knew, what you thought to be true and you believe that Jesus paid it all. That his sacrifice on your behalf on the cross wasn't enough for just some of the sins of the world, wasn't enough for just the good people of this world, wasn't enough just for the Americans of the world, that his sacrifice was enough to clear out the debt that every single person owed, that he paid it all. And there's nothing that you've done to earn that. That means there's nothing that you can do to make him not love you, to make him not want to let you experience his grace because his debt, the debt, your debt was paid by him on the cross. All of it. That's the gospel. That's what this church clearly understood. And it wasn't like a, hey, that's a really cool idea. It was a life-changing experience. They were living their lives one way. And because of the gospel, they begin to live their lives differently. And everything changed because of that. Everything changed because of that. The church saw it firsthand and they began to live it out. Their actions were different because of the gospel, and their words were different because of the gospel. And ultimately, when the church clearly understands the gospel, they will face opposition. They will face opposition, and that's what we see in this next section, next section starting in verse 17. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, 
that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled, and, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in a public prison. But during the night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. And the high priest uh, came, those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we have found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. And when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came to them and said, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And the captain with the officers went and brought them, not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. That the church clearly understood the gospel and the power of God allowed them to continue teaching the gospel. That, that God saw that these people clearly understood the gospel, that they got it, that they were all in, and he, God unleashes his power to free them from prison, to break them out so that they can continue to teach the gospel. Uh, the, the angel looks at them and told them to teach all the words of this life. Don't hold back. Continue to share the gospel. Continue to share with the people around you, that you are broken with no way to fix yourself. So Jesus came to have his body broken in your place so that you might be made whole. Continue to share that good news with those around you. For them to be busted out of jail, they must have been doing a pretty good job. Or was it that when we are walking with God, when we are clearly doing what God has called us to do, when, we're, when we are walking with the gospel in front of us, that there's nothing that can stop us. That God's power is greater than your biggest foe. And here's what's beautiful about God. Is that he has the power to break them out of jail. He also has the power to create the entire world with his very voice, out of nothing. So therefore, he probably would have the power to just wave his arms and everyone understand the gospel clearly and everyone begin to follow him. He has the power to do that. Yet, he chooses to use broken people who have been made whole by the gospel to share this good news with those that are around them. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need Peter, but he chooses to use you. He chooses to use Peter. <coughs> Why? Because he loves, he loves it when his people understand the gospel and the passion that we get when we clearly understand the gospel 
motivates us to live our lives differently. And when we're sharing that, when we're explaining that with people around us, it helps us remember that we are broken, that, that we are broken with no way of fixing ourselves. And so God, so Jesus came to have his life broken in our place so that we might be made whole. When we share that with other people, we remember that we are also broken, that we did nothing to earn this grace, but that God clearly gives it to us because he loves us. And there's nothing that we can do that would out the grace of God. And when we're sharing that with others, we are reminded at how powerful God really is. And then they continue on. Verse 27 says this. When they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter, with the apostles, answered him, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree, and God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those whom obey him. That they were more passionate about the gospel than they were afraid of man. That when they clearly understood the gospel, they, they saw its power, the power to break them out of jail, the power to bring forgiveness, to heal the sick. And they were more passionate about the gospel. They were more passionate about the fact that they were broken with no way to fix themselves. And so Jesus came to have his body broken in our place so that we might be made whole. They are more passionate about that than they were afraid of anything a man can do to them. To the point where they are arrested for sharing the gospel. And while they are on trial, what do they do? Share the gospel. They speak it forth because that is all they're passionate about. They believed what they're sharing. The gospel changed their lives and countless lives around them. And their devotion was to seeing that continue to happen. The fear man didn't even register. When you're passionate about something, it comes out naturally, doesn't it? My wife and I, um, as you saw uh, with, our, with our daughter, we're passionate about um, giving a voice to those who don't have a voice, uh, to making sure that um, orphans have a home. Uh, we're passionate about foster care, and we've, we've seen the good side of it. We've seen the bad side of it. We've seen everything in between. And the crazy thing is when we're passionate about something, it comes out almost every day. Myself or my wife get in a conversation with someone about foster care. I'll be in a, uh, a, a meeting of a bunch of youth 
pastors in the area, and someone will say, hey, Kyle, I know that uh, you know about this kind of stuff, and I have some questions about foster care. What are and, and so we'll talk for 30 minutes about what does it look like for them to engage in that? And, and we've had those conversations with people that are in this room, and we'll be at Target, and someone will come up to us and be like, hey, what's your story? Your daughter doesn't look like you. And I'm like, I, I think she's adorable. I'm adorable. My wife's adorable. She looks just like us. But then we get to share the story of what it looks like for people to, to step in in the gap and help people out and to give a voice to those who don't have a voice. We get to share our passions, not because we walk around wearing a shirt that says, I'm a foster parent, ask me questions. Trust me, you don't want to wear that shirt around. But why? Because what we're passionate about naturally comes out. Because we live it and we speak it. And I'm sure that these people in the book of Acts were passionate about multiple things. They're passionate about giving, uh, fighting for orphans and widows. Because we will see this. But their passions never outweighed their passion for the gospel. Never outweighed their passion for them to continue to remember and for them to live it out and to share with the people around them that they are broken with no way of fixing themselves. And so Jesus came to have his body broken in their place so that they may be made whole. That never wavered. They were passionate. And those passions came out. And them knowing the gospel and living the gospel, it gave them freedom to look at man and say, there's nothing you can do that would stop me from living this way because they had a life-changing experience. I've had a life-changing experience. My life is different every day because of it. So they continue on, verse 33. And when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But, the, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to the men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Thetis rose up claiming to be someone and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present, I can tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For, it is a plan, for if it, this plan is an undertaking of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even find yourself opposing God. So they took his advice and 
when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And, and they let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the, for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple, and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That they were standing for the gospel. That they took a stand for the gospel. And they didn't know how it was going to play out, but they trusted that they trusted that the gospel was worth everything. We we take stands all the time, don't we? We we, we take a stand for things. And some of them work out and some of them don't. Just like these people in the story. My question is, uh, what are you taking a stand for? Because if you're taking a stand for man, it will fail. Just like these have. Maybe it gains some momentum. Maybe it maybe gets a little bit of a following, but if you're taking a stand for something that is of man, it will always fail. But when you stand for something that is eternal, it will never fail. So when you're taking that stand for whatever it is, you need to think to yourself, is this an issue that impacts eternity? Or not. Because when we take stands that impact eternity and we stand with God on behalf of the gospel and we stand up for the fact that we are broken with no way of fixing ourselves. And so God sent his son Jesus to be broken in our place so that we might be made whole. When we stand for something like that, lives are changed around us. They took a stand for something that mattered. They believed in Jesus so much. They believed in the gospel so much. They believed that Jesus was broken for them to be made whole so much that when they were beaten for Jesus, they celebrated it. How great is it that we were able to take a beating like Jesus did? For us to be even counted like Jesus, they celebrated, they rejoiced in it because they clearly believed the gospel. They believed that they were broken. No way of fixing themselves. So Jesus came and had his body broken in their place so that they might be made whole. And their response to the gospel was clear and immediate and life-changing. They, they turned away from the way they were living and began to follow Jesus. So my question is, where are we at today? Do you get the gospel? Like, are there aspects of the fact that you're broken with no way to fix yourself, so Jesus came to have his body broken so that you might be made whole. Do you, do you get that? Do you understand that clearly? And if you understand that clearly, have you taken 
the step to respond to the gospel, to turn away from what you were doing, the way that you've been living. To, maybe you're a great person. Maybe you're a really great mom or a really great dad, or a wonderful citizen. But you know what? That doesn't matter because the gospel still says you are broken with no way to fix yourself. Do you get the gospel? Or maybe, maybe there's been a moment in your life where you clearly got the gospel and turned away, you repented, and began to follow Jesus. But right now, there is sin in your life that's distracting you from the gospel. There's sin in your life that has taken your eyes off of the truth that you're broken with no way to fix yourself. And the way sin often works is it, it's not this immediate, like you're walking towards God, and then all of a sudden you're walking away from God. No. The enemy is way better than that. He's way smarter than that. The enemy takes our eyes just a little bit off of God, just a little bit of a sin. And we, we, try, to, uh, we try to, like, justify it. And then he gets us to turn our eyes a little bit further away from God, and then a little bit further still, and a little bit further still, until we look up and we do not even realize where we are going. Is there sin in your life that's distracting you from the gospel? If there is, your response to the gospel, the fact that you're broken with no way to fix yourself, so Jesus came and had his body broken so that you might be made whole, your response is to turn to him. Stop living the way that you've been trying to fix yourself, trying to fill this void in your life, trying to uh, defeat your addiction. And turn towards God. It's simple. It's the same gospel. Or maybe, maybe you find yourself here today saying, I get, I, I, I trust the gospel. I understand all of this. But I doubt the power of the gospel. Like, this is a really cool story that people are like being healed and people wanted to put sick people in the shadow of Peter, but I don't know if that could happen today, and I know for sure it couldn't happen to me. And I've heard stories of people being freed from these sins that they are living or people that were living these lives, and they begin to follow after Jesus, and they, they repented from their sin, they began to follow G after Jesus. But I'm not sure if the power of God can work in my own life. It's the same power that created the world out of nothing. That broke these men out of jail. That wants to work in your life today. And maybe you've never experienced that power because you haven't fully surrendered to God. Because you have a trust issue. Because you might be afraid of what might happen. Or you don't know if he can actually, you're afraid that if you go all in with him, what if this is all just some big ruse? What if these are just really cool stories from history? And your fear is that if you go all in with the gospel, 
that you will expose God somehow. I would, I would plead for you. Give it a try. Because if this is all for naught, and there's a lot of other things that I can be doing this Mother's Day. I, if this is all for naught, I would rather be in the pool right now, hanging out, grilling some burgers. But if there really is power in the gospel, if there's power in us reminding ourselves every day that we are broken with no way to fix ourselves. And so Jesus came to have his life broken for us in our place so that we might be made whole. If that is true, then everything has changed. It's a life-changing experience. We live every day, every moment differently because of the gospel, because we believe this. And what better news for us to think about on Mother's Day because the moms in this room, you need the gospel. And your kids sure as heck need the gospel. Your husbands and your friends and every single one of us need the gospel desperately, moment by moment. There's not a moment in our life that we ever cease to need the gospel. So come. Turn away from the way you've been living. Follow after God. If that's something that you want to do today, I would love to have a conversation with you. And if you have sin that's distracting you, maybe you need to spend some time at the, at the front here just getting right with God. And, and maybe you're doubting the power of God. And maybe you just need to think through what it would look like for you to take the next step. We would love to start a conversation with you about that. And so Frank's going to come up and play. And I would challenge you, don't leave today the same as you came in. Let's leave today with a life-changing experience and trusting in the gospel. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I love you so much, and I'm so grateful for the gospel. I'm grateful that you love me enough to die for me, that you love me enough to no longer let me live in my broken state, that you sent your son to be broken so that I might be made whole. My prayer is this morning, as we celebrate moms, we will celebrate the gospel. We will celebrate this fact and that we will leave here different with the life-changing experience of the gospel that means that tomorrow is different and this afternoon is different and this very moment is different because we've experienced new life being made whole by the work that you did for us on the cross. If that's something that you need to do, myself, Trent will be in the back. We'd love to have a conversation with you, but please don't delay. Lord Jesus, thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.